It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Friday. I'm James Erpine, giving you the latest Bengals insight and info every single day here on the iHeartRadio app. You can subscribe on Megaphone as well, Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Today's a little different. It's a Locked On Bengals crossover with Locked On Bears host Lauren Cox. We recorded this on Skype. The audio on my end isn't the best, but uh, certainly an in-depth preview of Bengals and Bears, and you can listen to that. I started off by asking Lauren about the Bears injury situation because the Bengals, they are all banged up, and we dive into that and so much more. And I like I said, I started by asking Lauren how the Bears' injuries were looking. And as far as injuries go in Chicago, they definitely have seen the toll taken more so, well, I was going to say more so on the defensive side of the ball, but there's there's just sort of a, sort of a lack of talent overall, it seems like, in, in certain areas on this team. You know, they, they just put one of their starting defensive linemen on injured reserve. They now have, I think, six or five defensive starters now on injured reserve, although, again, week one starters, although that could change with uh, one of them potentially coming off injured reserve. But they're down a defensive end. They're down both starting outside linebackers, one of their inside linebackers, and then one of their safeties who could potentially be coming back. Offensively, the wide receiver position is pretty banged up, and they've kind of had to scramble there. And that's... You know they've they've maintained relatively healthy on the offense, but besides that, and the right guard Kyle Long now up for the year, it's sort of the the same Bears. It's just not necessarily a well coached or highly talented group. Yeah, and, and looking at uh, it, it might be the perfect scenario for the Bengals as far as is who they're matched up with this week with the Bears. You, you mentioned the wide receiver position for the Bears. The Bengals are hurt at the cornerback position. Adam Jones isn't going to play this week with a, a groin injury. He has a, a grade two groin tear. Um, Drake Kirkpatrick has a concussion, so he's out as well. And Darquez Denard is playing well. He's questionable, and I could see him not playing as well. So th- this team, it just at, in the secondary, banged up. Luckily for them, uh, what's his name? Uh, George Hiloka almost was suspended. They got reinstated uh, after that hit on Monday night, so he will play. Uh, but Sean Williams, another safety, dealing with a hamstring injury, probably won't play this week. So this team, the secondary, is banged up, but it sounds like the Bears are the team you want to play if your secondary is injured. <laughs> yeah, and I I still have my eyes on William Jackson the third. I mean, he is having mm-hmm. a, a very strong season, if maybe it's a little bit understated because of the team he's playing on, but I thought he's been playing really well, and I have a feeling they're going to try and get him up against Dontrell Inman in Chicago as much as they can. Inman, they traded for him from the San Diego Chargers during the year, and he had put up like 800 yards last year and some touchdowns in San Diego, now Los Angeles, I guess, and was kind of buried on the depth chart there. Has come here and, and played pretty well relative to the Chicago Bears offense. I mean, pretty well is not a 100-yard game or anything like that, but we're seeing you know him look like more of a legitimate number two wide receiver. The problem is... You know, Mitchell Trubisky is only, sometimes he only gets 15 pass attempts in a game and their offense can't stay on the field long enough, but he is a, uh, the, the receiver to watch and a, a bigger physical guy when a lot of the guys around him, you know, Kendall Wright at wide receiver, he's more of a slot guy, a quick guy. They use a lot of Josh Bellamy, who is a really a special teams player who 
doesn't particularly belong on offense and, and he can be a little bit physical, but he, he drops a lot of passes and isn't necessarily the most consistent guy there. So William Jackson versus Dontrell Inman is definitely the, the big time matchup between two big time teams. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir as far as the, the William Jackson train goes. He's easily their best corner. And, and now he'll get the start and he'll be able to play the entire game essentially because I think fans are getting pretty frustrated as they should watching Dre Kirkpatrick after just signing his fresh off his $50 million contract this offseason. Teams have been targeting him. I mean, they're going after Dre. And uh, William Jackson went up against Antonio Brown this year, obviously last week as well, has fared well against some of the top receivers. So at, at least he's healthy. But outside of that, I mean, you're looking at Josh Shaw and Kavari Russell. And I, I like Russell. He's a third-round pick of last year. Josh Shaw struggled some this year. But overall, it's certainly not the the secondary. Not that they were dominant, but it's not the secondary that they, they usually throw out there on Sundays. Yeah, and let me throw this one at you because in addition to the wide receivers, what the Bears do a lot with Tariq Cohen, the rookie fourth round pick, running back out of North Carolina A and T. He's about five foot six. He's definitely. I mean, when you see him on the field, it looks like it's like an eighth grade football player that they let come out and play with them. It's it's, it's funny how much smaller he is than everybody else. But a lot of times the Bears will line him up directly at wide receiver or, or sometimes in the slot and run a lot of routes, you know, wide receiver routes down the field. He was their leading receiver in their last game, and there's been quite a few games where he's their only offense because he he can make play, he can make guys miss after the catch, and he seems to be a pretty effective downfield threat. But at the same time, defenses have really adjusted to that, and you see teams double team him sometimes and focus on him. And I, I guess I wanted to ask you what you foresee the Bengals doing. You know, a guy like Nick Vigil has missed a lot of tackles this year. And, you know, are they going to be the team that puts a linebacker out of them? Or are they, do they have the depth at defensive back right now to bring someone over as, you know, to treat him as a wide receiver when he's on the field? I mean, what do you anticipate them doing about this type of matchup? Yeah, Nick Vigil's actually probably going to be out this week. He, he didn't practice yet. Last time I saw him, he was still in a boot. So I don't, I don't think Nick Vigil will play. And it, it, it will be a linebacker. I would assume that it would be Jordan Evans, a rookie from Oklahoma, who is athletic, uh, ran a 4-5 at the Combine, has played well, has fared well. The, the play he's probably most famous for right now is not pushing Le'Veon Bell out of bounds on Ooh. Monday night. That was him? That was that guy next to William Jackson. But <laughs> he, he is athletic. He is a guy that uh, can certainly keep up with running backs out of the backfield, can guard quicker slot-wide receivers because he, he goes up against Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard every day and went up against Joe Mixon in college. So he certainly has the, the athletic ability to do so, but but you're right, Lauren. I mean, you look at the, the way this defense is right now in the secondary. I, I don't think they can afford to spare another corner. But with that said, if Cohen's lighting them up, well, then they might have to. They might have to move a corner on him. So that, that is an interesting point and, and interesting to see because Cohen, would you say he's their almost their go-to in the passing game right now outside of Inman? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like it's it's been a weird thing in Chicago where like, you know, in October their offensive coordinator called him their best playmaker and then there was this long stretch where he wasn't seeing the field. And then the other big issue is that Cohen isn't in their 2-minute drill packages and so the, the, the coaching staff has like basically chosen that he you know, like he's a rookie, so we didn't want to put too much on him, and so he doesn't know the plays for the final two-minute drill, despite him being their self-proclaimed best playmaker. And so, in you know, in, in from in the first what what would that be, twenty-eight minutes of the halves, Cohen is definitely their go-to guy in the passing game. But you get to those final two-minute drills, and 
then it's kind of Inman and, and Kendall Wright, and then they use Benny Cunningham in the backfield. He's more their traditional third down back pass protection and all that. But you know, as much as as much as this Bengals secondary is banged up, and we talk about this this Bears receiver group not being deep, it seems like a lot of games this year the Bears end up winning and losing in the trenches, and uh, you know, taking on opponents front sevens, particularly in the running game, because the Bears. They're, they're very predictable in their personnel use and in their, you know, when there's two tight ends on the field, they're running the ball pretty regularly. When there's a fullback in the game, they're running the ball pretty regularly. And then obviously when they spread you out, they're more likely to pass. You know, they don't really pass as much under center. They don't run as much in shotgun. There's different things that defenses have been able to key in on and be able to be aggressive in terms of stopping the run and then putting them in these third and long situations. That's sort of been the, the story of the Bears offense. But how, what's your confidence level in this Bengals front seven as compared to their secondary? You mentioned Vigil's out or potentially out and, and Jordan Evans might be in place. But as far as everyone else in there, is this is this the strength of their defense? It, it has been this season, but I, I will say this. I mean, perfect. Vontez perfect is not playing. He's been officially ruled out for Sunday with a concussion. And Geno Atkins is officially questionable. He didn't practice today. He's dealing with a toe injury. He was in a, a boot as of this afternoon. So this front seven has been good this year. They've struggled at times against the run. But without perfect, that, that hurts their, their run defense for sure. Without Atkins in the middle, it, it will be a very young uh, front seven that for, for this week against the Bears, especially if Atkins can't go because that they've gotten a lot of good minutes and good playing time out of a rookie Ryan Glasgow who's from Michigan at defensive tackle they had Andrew Billings from Baylor who's in his second year but he missed last year so he's basically a rookie due to injury he missed last year so they have guys that have been productive at the defensive tackle spot but Geno Atkins is that that guy that they're next to so without him if he's not able to go that's going to be a huge loss a huge loss and then you got guys like Carl Lawson, Jordan Willis that have made big plays. They're rookies as well. So without perfect kind of roaming around and doing what he does and making game-changing plays, and if for some reason Atkins can't go or if he can't get that toe in line to, to play Sunday, it's going to it'd be a huge loss, put it that way. And, and that's why I get the feeling, Lauren, and it, it might sound crazy, but I think that they, that, as in the Bengals, they could easily lose this game. And it's on paper one of those games where I think the Bengals home against the Bears, you think they win it. But coming off of that emotional loss uh, to, to the Steelers, as injured as they are, I think this is a, a very, very vulnerable spot for the Bengals, and I think the Bears could catch them. Man, this is going to be just an ugly, ugly game. You know, the Bears are coming off, I think, five losses in a row, a, a bad one to the San Francisco 49ers last week. And it just, boy, it just doesn't feel like... This is going to be a game that's fun for, you know, four quarters at all. I agreed. Agreed. It's, it's not going to be that fun. Like, man, it's it's like uh, it might be the one of the ugliest games ever in the winner's bum that they won because it hurts their draft position. <laughs> well, thank God that it's not primetime or else Twitter would just be railing this as another bad oh my God. primetime game this year. Yeah, imagine Thursday Thursday night football, Bears-Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, preseason, that didn't seem like a terrible matchup. I mean, not that either of these two teams were preseason Super Bowl contenders necessarily, but I think both teams have disappointed in terms of results on the, on the win-loss sheet. Agreed. No, absolutely. I, I thought the Bengals would at least contend for a playoff spot, and I, I guess they had up until Monday, but... Uh, 
certainly been underwhelming when they, they started 0-3 and 3-6. And, and and Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's the deal with Marvin Lewis and his job slash job security? I mean, everyone in Chicago knows John Fox is going to be fired. Like, that's sort of a, a foregone conclusion right now. But now there's been a lot more talk about Marvin Lewis potentially moving on. I think some people have mentioned him in the potential, like, Browns front office type role. And, you know, it seems like mm-hmm. Marvin's been there forever. And there's been a lot of these type of seasons. So I guess what's different about this year? And, and I guess is this a legitimate talk or is this just like Twitter rumors? No, it's it's legitimate, and and honestly, if I had if I was a betting man and I had to put money on it, I would say Marvin Lewis is not the head coach here next season, which I wouldn't have said uh, four months ago before the season started. Uh, I couldn't I could if I had a dollar for every time I was asked about Marvin Lewis's job status on different radio shows across the country, uh, I would have a lot of dollars. I probably wouldn't have to cover this game on Sunday. Um, <laughs> but 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 this this is it's one of those things where it's it's the question everyone asks and. I get the the fans that take the until he's gone, I'm not going to believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. But everything I've heard, he doesn't have a contract. That's the biggest difference. No contract for 2018. And there's a reason. It's because this was kind of a prove it year so that you still have the team. I think he's out. I think that this is a this will be the last four games of his career and uh at least as the Bengals coach. Now the Browns, I love that speculation and the storyline of him making a heel turn and going to, to the Browns and being their GM would have been great, but they, they hired John Dorsey last night and introduced him today. So I, I don't think that happens, but c- could Marvin Lewis coach somewhere? Maybe. I just don't think it'll be with the Bengals in 2018. Does it surprise you that like it comes down to the end of an era like this? I mean, he's been there for, boy, since what, 2003? And there's been a lot of playoff trips there, yeah. a lot of deep, you know, never passed the wild card round. But is this just one of those things where it's like, it's sort of time, like not that he's, not that he's been a terrible coach, but just like a lot of NFL coaches tend to run their course, except for the truly great ones. Like, is this just him running his course? Yeah, I think that's what it is. And a lot of fans, you bring him up, and they'll probably lose their minds. Oh, he's awful! But deep down, he's everyone knows he's not awful. The 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 pre Marvin Lewis years were awful. I mean, it was it was like the Browns are now. Uh, to be honest with you, they were two and four in two thousand two. Marvin comes here and they're eight and eight, eight and eight in 2004 playoffs in 05. I mean, he's changed them. And then in 2010, it was the last time where we were like, "Uh Oh, Marvin's probably out. Well, Mike Brown brought him back and they went to the playoffs for five straight years. But this time I think it's different. I I just keep hearing that it's probably over. I I hear that Marvin could potentially retire and want to walk away from the Bengals. I think they end up mutually parting ways. But but overall, yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of run its course. It's not that Marvin's a bad football coach. It's not that he couldn't succeed elsewhere. It's just that they've done their run. It's it'll be 15 years, 15 seasons. At some point, you got to move on. And, and I think this off season, probably early January, is when we'll we'll get word that Marvin Lewis won't be the coach next year. 
there's certainly something to be impressed about when he's able to go to the playoffs with two different quarterbacks. You know, he does it with Carson Palmer and has some success there. And then obviously they draft Andy Dalton and, and get some success in the last, like you said, five years in a row in the playoffs before 2016. Definitely think maybe people in Cincinnati are so used to Marvin Lewis that, you know, that they get a certain opinion of what he does on the field. But from an outside standpoint, there's certainly reason to be impressed with at least some of what he's been able to do, especially compared to the coaches the Bears have had since they fired Lovey Smith. Yeah, it, that, that's the thing. And, and that was the concern, I think, here in Cincinnati and with Mike Brown. And that's why I've defended Mike Brown keeping Marvin Lewis around is because Lovey Smith is the perfect example. Lovey Smith had success. And when you go to the unknown and you go into the, oh, we're going to fire him and try to upgrade, well, what if you don't upgrade? There's worse you can do. And, and when the Bengals do this, if they do what I think they're going to do, th- they could end up with a coach that isn't as good as Marvin Lewis. Um, and, and that's the risk. There, There is risk in that. And that's why I think if Marvin wants a job elsewhere, the job he did here in Cincinnati, he's respected across the league, I think he'll be able to get a job. I don't know. Heck, maybe it'll be in Chicago. I, you know, who knows? I hope not. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, what, but see, I, I'm curious about that. Why? Well, why would you? Why would you hope not? I think Bears fans in general want something new. They want something different. They, you know, Marvin Lewis feels like a, a John Fox type hire. Not that he is the same person, yeah. but it's just like they, he's been he's been around the block before quite a bit, and we've seen perhaps some ceiling with what Marvin Lewis is as a coach. I mean, he just hasn't been he – he never took the Bengals past that wild card round. And I think Bears fans want to shoot for the moon. And I, I think there's more optimism in the unknown of maybe a, an offensive coordinator somewhere that maybe is a little bit ripe. But, you know, a Marvin Lewis is maybe more known, and maybe that mm-hmm. known isn't as enticing as a as, as, as the, the unknown. unknown. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, that was Mark Trestman, right? To yeah. a certain extent, the, the unknown, go for the home run. But I get it. Like that, and that's where the Bengals are now. Is is who who could they bring in? I threw out uh, earlier today on ESPN fifteen thirty. I threw out Brian Kelly, <laughs> who who, co- who coached for for obviously coaches for Notre Dame, but he coached for University of Cincinnati for four seasons. Got them to uh, Sugar Bowl, two BCS bowls, and had a lot of success and has has won everywhere. So. I, I don't think there's a a wrong answer. Look, it, it, the, both the Bengals and the Bears, like if, if you're the Bears, you want a coach because obviously it doesn't sound like John Fox is going to survive. You want a coach who can get the most out of Mitch Trubisky. And if you're the Bengals, you need to find someone that's going to either adapt to, to Andy Dalton and put him in a position to succeed or find a quarterback that does. I mean, that, that's, that's so much about the, the, this head coaching thing is – finding the quarterback and if you find the quarterback or walk into a good quarterback situation then you're a great coach and if you don't you're chip kelly who people think can't (laughs) coach but he had nick Foles, michael vick and blaine gabbard and colin kaepernick like not not many not many coaches are winning with the oh and sam bradford like not many coaches survive with those guys well let's get into andy dalton here and the other side of this bears Bengals matchup now that we've Mm -hmm. (laughs) sidetracked to the coaching talk but you know (laughs) Andy Dalton is just one of those guys that seems to, you know, there's always the, the fluctuation. He'll have a couple really good games, and like earlier in the year, there were a couple games where he looked like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, particularly like even week one against Baltimore, the four interceptions. And, and, and then he'll come back and like his game against Denver, you know, efficient and three touchdowns and, and seems to be moving the ball pretty well. Even if it's not this huge 400 yard performance, you know, he's had, 
he has those good games and he has those bad games. And what do you think is the difference in those? Is it just purely quality of opponent or is there, you know, is it something with AJ Green and something with the playmakers on offense? What, what seems to be the difference between good Andy Dalton and bad Andy Dalton? Uh, he's just, he's just okay. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna be inconsistent at times. He's been, pretty good that the Baltimore game was such an outlier because it, it, the one thing you can say about Andy is he's pretty good at taking care of the ball um I, I I'm seen as like a negative Andy Dalton guy because he doesn't wow me because I don't think he's a guy you look at and, and look at what he can do and say all right he's gonna win four games for me and get me to the big one in in, in February I mean it's just that that simple to me but there's a lot worse than you can do with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's a lot like Marvin Lewis. You know, they're good. <laughs> they're not great, and they're not awful, and you can do worse. So he's going to have those games where he costs you the game. You just hope that he plays like he did Monday night. Like, there's been so many times when he struggled against the Steelers. And he played well against the Steelers on Monday night. Missed some throws, but quarterbacks miss throws all the time. He took care of the ball. He, he made the plays he needed to make. And, and it's just... You wish that he could do that all the time. And people point to 2015 here, the Andy Dalton backers, and say, oh, well, that's what happens when you put everything around him. Yeah, maybe, but it's really hard to not have any injuries, to have a great line, to have the perfect offensive coordinator, and to make it all nice and cozy for the quarterback. And and there are so many times, as you've seen, you've had plenty of injuries in Chicago this year. Injuries affect the team, and and you need a quarterback. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, that can overcome those things. I'm not sure if Andy's that guy, but but he's good. He's a lot of teams would use Andy Dalton, could use Andy Dalton, and uh, would trade for him or, or would sign him if he was a free agent. But I, I do have to ask you because I haven't watched. I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched a ton of Bears uh, Bears football this I don't year. Blame how, you. how how is not not no reason why? I just it's NFC paying attention to the Bengals. But it, Mitchell Trubisky, how's he faring? It, it to me just from an outsider's perspective, I would say this. John Fox is a defensive guy. I would say that there's not a lot of wide receivers on that team that are it's certainly no clear-cut one wide receiver that he can target and go to when he needs a, a big play. Is it is it fair to, to judge him this year when he's a rookie and he doesn't have sufficient weapons around him? That would be the question. But, but overall, how is he playing? It's difficult to judge him for sure, but I think there's still things we can glean from it. You know, it's it, from, a few, from a purely like numbers and like comparing him to other quarterbacks I think it's difficult a because of you know what like what you mentioned the team around him but b just like the opportunities that he's had you know he doesn't put up big yards because he there there have been games where he attempted seven passes in the whole game and so you know you want to see better accuracy from him generally there's there's too many plays where his ball placement is just a little bit off and that usually comes back to his footwork or a little bit of his follow-through on some throws but at the same time you see him extend plays with his legs and make some really, really nice throws outside of the pocket that hit some very tight windows that not a lot of NFL quarterbacks can do. And you've seen him a couple times come up in some pretty clutch situations. There was an overtime game against the Baltimore Ravens where the Bears had like third and 11, and it was just enough, just outside of field goal range. They needed a first down. There was pressure in the pocket that was collapsing in front of him. He steps up and like jumps as a defender's about to make contact with him and hits a receiver for a big first down to win the game. But at the same time, there have also been a few fourth quarters where, you know, backs against the wall. You need a, a, just you're down 10, you need a drive to keep your team alive. 
and you've seen a couple interceptions ultimately end games. And so, you know, the bigger picture with him is just that he looks like a rookie quarterback. There's some flashes of of why they took him number two overall, and there's plenty of example throws as to why maybe he either A, could have used more time on the bench or just needs more experience in NFL games to get you know, to just get more under his belt. You know, he only started 13 games in college. That's the the one number everybody talks about with Mitchell Trubisky. But it's a real it's a real phenomenon that like he just needs to throw those interceptions to see what these situations are like. He's only been in so many comeback drive situations. He's only been in so many overtime situations. He's only faced pressure in certain ways so many times to be able to build off of and sort of remember how he handled it in the past and how he's going to do it differently in the future. And so this is sort of the year of growing pains, taking his lumps, getting more experience, and being able to learn from it, come back in year two with a new co- a new offensive coordinator, a new coach, maybe someone who's more of a quarterback guru type or just someone who has more of a track record of this type of thing, and, and then we'll see really what a Mitchell Trubisky can do. And that's the thing is it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see who they invest in. Obviously, Kevin White, is he he's injured again, right? Yeah, he, he's on. He's out for the year on injured reserve, and yeah. he's got another year on his contract, and they'll probably bring him back. But they're. I don't think they're gonna like this year. The plan was like Kevin White's gonna come back, and he's gonna be one of our two best receivers, and he's gonna be a big part of this offense. And so when he goes down, they miss that. And I think next year it's like, well, if he comes back, that's great, but we're not gonna rely on him. Yeah. So him, Cameron Meredith, obviously, and Zach Miller just went down in, in, the, in the Saints game. He was their leading receiver. That's see. That's the thing to me. Like. People here for Andy Dalton are like, he doesn't have enough, right? And then I get it. But he still has Brandon LaFell, who's a, a veteran who would probably start for the Bears. Just, yes. He's not great, but he's a good possession receiver. A.J. Green, who's obviously would, would play for any team in the league. And then, like, Tyler Boyd. Like, he has some serviceable pieces. So, like, people here are like, oh, Andy doesn't have enough. And the, the line has been the biggest issue this season. But as far as, like, pass catchers, it looks like Chicago's situation much worse, especially with a, a rookie quarterback than than what the Bengals have. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that offensive line. I'm glad you brought that up because it seems like even in the offense as a whole, for the Bengals, injuries haven't been a huge issue. Maybe Tyler Eifert, kind of the the the, the big one that that lingers over that, but. You know, this offensive line just seems like there's not a lot of quality talent anywhere. I mean, is Clint Bowling at left guard kind of cons- the, the yep. consistent one and everything else is garbage? <laughs> yep, he's the one. <laughs> he's the guy that uh, that's certainly good, certainly a dude that uh, should be on the roster, and, and they, they extended him, and he, he can play well. Um, but even his play has dipped at times just because of what's around him. Obviously, offensive line, it, it matters who's around you, what they're doing. Russell Bodine in the final year of his contract. The, the thing is, and Bengals fans are going to cringe, but I could totally see the Bengals bringing him back uh, on, on a cheap deal, it, maybe as a backup, hopefully as a backup if, if you're a, a Bengals fan. Um, the, the, the two names that kind of stand out, one has started to play a little better, is Andre Smith. They brought him back, and he's playing the right tackle position. But their the first-round pick from 2015, Cedric he and he's just uh, dreadful. I mean, he's played a little bit better recently the past couple weeks, especially in the run game. But I just think that they're bad. They're bad as a group. Uh, they're mostly bad individually. And until they upgrade that offensive line, get some more talent on that offensive line, this offense with Andy Dalton, who's limited, with a, a pass-catching group that 
hasn't been what they expected it to be. I, I know I just praised them, but they were expecting <laughs> John Ross to be out there. They were expecting this offense to, to put up big numbers with Joe Mixon in the backfield. And, and it just hasn't happened this year. And I think it all stems from that offensive line. And th- that's their number one priority this offseason outside of figuring out what they're going to do at coach is upgrading the offensive line. And I do think that matches up at least like you mentioned the, the, the Bears secondary or I mean the Bears receivers versus the Bengals secondary being a, a good matchup of ineptitude. I think the the Bengals offensive line versus the Bears pass rush will be another one of those type <laughs> mashups. I mean the Bears have Akeem Hicks at defensive end, he plays mostly defensive tackle and he does a phenomenal job and he m- might be a pro bowler this year. But everybody else has been a real issue. I mean, Hicks, he lines up on the left side of the defense like 99% of the time. So I'm sure they're going to try and get him versus, you know, Trey Hopkins and Russell Bodine and, and Andre Smith and all that. But outside of him, you know, Leonard Floyd's out for the year on injured reserve. Willie Young is out for the year on injured reserve. And so at outside linebacker right now, they're rolling with three veterans. Pernell McPhee, who doesn't have functioning knees and can only play a few snaps a game and and just isn't that effective when he is on the field. And then they have Sam Macho and Lamar Houston, two veterans that have been consistent, but this isn't a pass rush, even with them, that can put themselves over the top and really consistently pressure opposing quarterbacks. And maybe this is the week where they put it together against a poor Bengals offensive line, but I'm not particularly counting on it. You know, I think the Bears are going to drop guys in coverage and, and go with maybe more of a three-man rush and try and try and take away the quick game for Andy Dalton and, and put extra guys in and around A.J. Green and, and not allow some of those matchups. So I'm not anticipating a super blitz-heavy defense from the Bears and just trying, hoping, praying that their their front four can get that pass rush, sometimes a front three. And this is either going to be a game where Akeem Hicks goes off and has a couple sacks and a big performance or Andy Dalton has time to throw for maybe the first time this season and, and is able to get some passes off. Yeah, it, it'll, that, that's certainly... Interesting. I, I I do. I will say this: the offensive line has given Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon obviously out Sunday, so, some more running lanes than normal. So if they if they're able to run the ball with Gio, it, that that would certainly help as well. Um, but overall, I, I think you're going to be able to get some pressure on on Andy if they take away that quick game, especially because that's a lot of people think the offensive line has improved in passing. Uh, in, in the pass blocking thing, but uh, most of the time, when I ask, I have Joe Goodberry on. He does a film review with me every week. He says it's basically just because they're getting rid of the ball quicker, and it hides the offensive line a lot more. So the, the key, I think, for the Bears, if you can limit the run game and limit AJ Green and the couple big plays that he could probably make, then you're you're really, I think in gear, putting yourself in a, sh- a chance to win. Because I, I do think the Bears are going to score. I think they'll probably establish a run game. And I think the offense should fare pretty well just with all of the starters, the Bengals. I mean, they're going to be six, seven starters out on, on defense. That's going to be tough for them to to overcome and, and tough for them to, to, to have a, a dominant week, I think. And, and on paper it is. I know people have asked me fantasy-wise, oh, should I start the Bengals defense? And I'm like, no. Do not start the Bengals defense because if Jordan Howard ran for a buck fifty on Sunday, I wouldn't be that shocked. Isaiah Crowell ran for five plus yards a carry on uh, ran for five plus yards a carry a couple weeks ago at Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty solid key for the for the Bears, and I think on the other side, the key for the Bengals to win this game is 
shut down Jordan Howard, be very aggressive against the run, and, and let the Bears get themselves into third and long situations. And then, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is going to convert some of them. He, he hasn't been too bad on third down, but this, this offense has not been able to consistently drive down the field and score points. I mean, there's been a lot of games where they get, you know, a defensive or, t- or a special teams touchdown and the point total on the year looks like a higher average point scored. But if you just isolate the offense's points scored, there are very few long touchdown drives that the Bears offense is able to, to muster. And so if you don't turn the ball over and you do your best to shut down the running game and, and just kind of extend drives offensively to keep the Bears defense on the field because that's been their weaknesses. They can't get off the field on third downs. They get worn out. Akeem Hicks plays a ridiculous amount of snaps, and once their best player on defense is tired and worn out, they lose that pass rush, and then their secondary loses you know, those quick time to throws, and they hung out to dry in coverage quite a bit, and it all sort of cascades for the Bears. So maintaining the time of possession and taking care of the ball and keeping the Bears running game down. Those are kind of the big keys I see for the Bengals to pull off that upset. And, and so from there, let's wrap up here with score prediction. You, you said you, you could easily see the Bears winning. What's your what's your final score take? Who do you think is going to win if you're, if you're going to put a number on it? And, and then I'll do the same. I think Bears win 20-17. to 17. And I think Mike Nugent kicks the game-winning field goal and dances in Paul Brown Stadium and, and Bengals fans just get their hearts ripped out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I know I'm being a little dramatic there. I, I do. I think when any time on a short week you're coming off of a game like I saw on Monday night, which was so brutal, and they got off to such a start, and, and you blow, blow a 17-point lead, and I, I hear A.J. Green talking like I heard, I've never heard him sound before ever. Uh, it, it to me that takes an emotional toll on you. Now they're five and seven, playoff hopes all but dashed, injured. Their best players are going to be out. I, I just it, it's the perfect storm to me where a team, if they come in hungry, will will beat them. And I, I might say it about any team. If it was the Browns this week, I could see it. Like it, it's not really about the talent. It's less about who they're playing and more about. Are they going to respond well to the adversity on a short week and with all the injuries? I don't think so. I think the Bears win by three. I'm going to take the same score, but the opposite result. I think it's 2017 Bengals. I think the Bears – I I've, I very rarely picked the Bears this year, and I, I, <laughs> there's just something about a, a team, as much as Marvin might be on the way out, there's something about coaches who have done this a long time, who have been consistent and – you know, it just doesn't feel like to me, I mean, you obviously know the Bengals much better than me, but I, it feels like to me like maybe, just maybe, this Bengals team will have quit just a little bit less than the Bears have quit. And the, the, <laughs> yeah. the Bears quit two weeks ago against the Philadelphia Eagles, and towards the end of this 49ers game, they, they, they were just absolutely demoralized for like the fifth straight game. And it just feels like the bottom is ready to fall out, and it kind of fell out against the Eagles, and losing to a, a then-one-win San Francisco 49ers, I, there's just something that feels wrong to me about picking the Bears over a Bengals team that, you know, even though they're not playing like a 5-7 and seven team, they still played the Steelers close, and they've still played quality teams and, and beaten at least better opponents than the Bears have beaten this year, and I, just, I don't quite have the same confidence in the Bears to, <laughs> to pull it together and get the win. I think it'll be close. And I think it'll be ugly, but I'm I'm going to give the the Bengals one more W. We can agree that it'll certainly be ugly. Uh, by the way, Lauren, t- tell all of the locked on Bengals listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, so I work for Pro Football Focus, uh, do some grading and stuff with them, and 
I actually I actually write the the Bengals previews for them too, so I've got a little bit of Bengals background. So I do Bears and Bengals stuff for them, and then I write for USA Today's BearsWire dot com. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports One. It's like Fox Sports One, but with a C. It's got a ring to it. Yeah, it does. I like that, that's sort of my go to <laughs> phrase. But remind my listeners again your Twitter handle and and what you do on the radio there. Uh, at James Rapine on Twitter, at Locked On Bengals. Uh, obviously, LockedOnBengals.com. I, I write for that. I do radio stuff in, in Cincinnati for ESPN 1530, the, the ESPN affiliate here in Cincinnati, also 700 WLW. So I'll be at the game on Sunday covering it. I'll actually be in the Bears locker room following Bears and Bengals locker room after the game. So if it's a, if it's a win and Mike Nugent kicks the game winner, well, well, either way, I'll probably talk to Mike Nugent. But if he kicks the game winner, I'm sure it'll be a a, a happy interview with the, the former Bengals kicker. Well, it certainly gives my listeners reason to follow you, and I definitely recommend doing so. Great Bengals follower, but also just NFL talk and everything in general. So definitely recommend that. And, and James, I want to thank you for uh, doing this crossover podcast. It's fun. It's something that's nice about the uh, Locked On Podcast Network here, being able to get expert opinions from every individual team. That's Lauren Cox. I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, and Megaphone. Make sure you check out LockedOnBengals.com where I'll have some stuff up there later this week. And and, uh, I'll be at the game on Sunday covering it. You'll have audio there. And as always, Locked on Bengals, it's your insight, your daily podcast, getting you all set for Bengals action. I'm James Erpine. Have a great weekend. I'll be back at it with Joe Goodberry on Monday here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.